0: Hi everyone and welcome to the third episode of my podcast. Today I'm really happy to welcome Boris Pohulik. He is an expert communicator and negotiator and one of the people I am planning to work with this year which makes me truly, truly excited. But without further ado, I'm going to let Boris introduce himself. So... Boris, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me and looking forward to training you on, on my <laughs> <laughs> communication workshop. And it's funny, I guess uh, no one official would call me an expert because <laughs> uh, you know I, I haven't got a certificate in communication, but actually i do have a project management certificate from denmark but it's not really communication negotiation as i found out later but the funny thing is i started this on the demand of the audience i don't know if you watched it i don't know if you remember but uh, in 2019 i believe uh, i had a live on johanna's channel and we were simply talking about communication And the way I was talking about it and how I learned it and which books and which techniques people like overwhelmingly asked me to create some kind of a workshop. And that is how it started. And I guess at this moment, I seem to be kind of a one stop shop for personal (laughs) and business development for young managers and entrepreneurs uh, from 25 to 40 years old, uh, because I have this uh, really specific set of, I guess, characteristics and skills that uh, created this huge experience disproportionate to my age. I'm 32 years old, but since 2013 to 2016, I was leading very large scale multimillion dollar uh, projects in a global corporation called Grunfos and uh, that's where i started learning negotiation people management uh, project management and i had a tremendous mentor and he was danish i guess i was really really lucky because of that because in serbia nobody would ever risk with me the way he did he saw the ambition he saw the potential and he knew that he will take some you know, financial risks, putting such a young project manager in place for such a huge project. But he knew based of his experience that on the long run, it will be beneficial for their company. And it actually has been really beneficial (laughs) what I was doing there under his supervision. So that's where my uh, negotiation and communication journey started. But when I really dug deep into it was uh, when I was developing from 2015, parallel to my work in Grunfos, I started developing my own production company. So with my former partner, I patented a production dietary supplement, organic dietary supplement in Serbia, and I created a whole outsourced production, logistic, everything. We created a proper company out of that. I uh, took on a huge bank loan and even from some outside friend investors and I just went all in for the couple of years and I built that first business. However, I didn't know the economy so much. I didn't know the business. I I thought I knew everything because I was leading large scale projects in Grunfos. But man, that was such a punch in, in the gut. And during these couple of years from 2015 to 2018, I was forced to survive and to, to survive both on the market and both personally to really learn how to negotiate and communicate. It was non-stop, each day for four years, negotiating with my partners, with suppliers, with potential buyers, with um, production plans, with packaging plans, with uh, marketing experts that were working with us, with sales, uh, you know outsourced people, uh, developers, uh, whatever, everything. And uh, the main point where I really got it down is when I actually decided to sell my share of the company to my former partners, and it was not a pretty experience. It was not a good uh, divide. It was, you know, really a matter of life and death. And I was at the point. I'm now. I'm digressing a little bit because that's uh, really important for the for the to like give a context Mm -hmm. because uh, at that point when you have somebody you have a company that I put I gave my I quit my parents thought I was crazy I quit a major job in a major corporation where I was just going up and they were sending me to us to Denmark to Germany and so on and I gave up that developed my own company out of scratch lived literally like a dog for four years in my apartment, built something that I saw that it will be my company, my dream, my life for the next 25 years. But then uh, we started learning so many things that we didn't know about the business and about ourselves and about our relationships. And long story short, we ended up in a situation where we have three partners, 33 percent each. There is no money in the company. Everything is either in products that we already sold or in half product production. There is a ton of supplies coming from Ecuador. There is a ton of packaging uh, being created in some other plant. There are products on the shelves, but there is no money in the company. And we invested I invested personally around 35 40,000 euros of bank's money and my own money and everything I saved, and the other partner equally. And at that point, me and the founder partner, the first partner, were literally about to kill each other. If we see, if we it, then I said, That's enough, I want to go out, but I want to go out with a certain amount of capital that I invested and a certain amount of supplies, but there is nothing in the company. And she, my former partner, hates me. (laughs) So objectively, I cannot get what I want and they do not want to give me what I want. And then I took my lawyer, made a deal with him, percentage deal. And for a full month, every day, pretty much the whole day, we negotiated about this separation, about this deal while working everything so the market doesn't see what is happening and basically in the end what happened is i got everything i wanted plus our relationship became better now it's at least civilized when we see each other in the city we say hi we can even sit down a couple of meters from each other but at that time we were literally about to kill each other i couldn't communicate with them without my lawyer and without email and so on and so on so what happened is during that time even though I was already an experienced negotiator nothing before could prepare me for that but then I dug deep into first Chris Voss methods of negotiating hostage negotiating FBI developed hostage negotiation methods and this is a big part of what I teach people now and Combining that with my previous experience in project management and especially my lawyer and what I taught directly I, what I learned directly from him, working with him every day for a month, every single message, every single email, every single phone call and this is how I developed first the passion for it because at when that all finished, I was born again, and I was sitting with him, and I was thinking, man. If there is a, one skill, one single skill that I could learn that would help my life tremendously, it is to influence people through communication negotiating. And so that's how this journey specifically started. And this is where I'm now. Now I have already many workshops behind me, so I've really crafted the, the structure and I know how people respond and I negotiate with people daily and so on and so on. So sorry for such a long winded answer, but that is the framework, let's say of my negotiation. <laughs> I think
0: it's great that you gave such a, a great introduction. So everybody here who maybe doesn't know, you can see why you are here to talk about this. And I've heard a uh, part of this already, but it was great to hear it from you. And thank you for sharing. Uh, the background story
1: with us. Yeah, I guess, sorry, the, the main maybe takeaway from that story is I very quickly learned what has to work hmm. on the field, in the real situation, when somebody is screaming at your face, when somebody, you know, is hiring people to undermine you, lawyers from their side, uh, some other deals, talking bad about you, confronting you very violently. So in those types of situation, there are only few basic principles that work. And this is what we will talk about today and what they train people on negotiation. Wow,
0: okay, uh, thank you. So uh, we, oh, by the way, we already have several questions, which we will get down to a bit later <laughs> in the chat box, uh, which I'm really happy about. Uh, but to start with some of the questions that I have prepared for you. So as we can all see, you are definitely as I said in the introduction, the expert. And I do want to say that I do not uh, think, you know, I'm not an English teacher by profession. (laughs) I'm a journalist by profession, but I teach English because I've been learning it and doing it for like 10 years now. And I've been uh, you know, investing a lot of time and money into it. So I totally understand how this story that you just uh, told us makes perfect sense and how you are an expert in what you uh, teach. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, So let's start with maybe the the basics. Um, How do we plan and how do we prepare for negotiations?
1: Okay. so. There are some principles that will always work. And then you will add layers depending on the context, context. So I always like to make an analogy between negotiating and communication and uh, fighting like MMA fighting, kickbox fighting. For example, if you're preparing for a critical conversation or negotiation, whether it's with your loved ones or with uh, an enemy or with a counterpart business wise or your boss, there are a few critical principles that you have to train yourself for and how you will prepare yourself, your mind for every type of critical conversation. But then, of course, if the opponent is, for example, in MMA analogy, more of a wrestler, then your training camp will be more focused on wrestling. If he's a world-class striker, then you will more focus on the striking. So, for example, if I have a complicated communication coming up uh, regarding some business deal, then I will prepare myself strategy-wise um i will focus on the pains and concerns and the goals of that company and more on business type uh, metrics and communication and i will try to reach some of their you know um network that they know or don't know that i'm communicating with but i will try to prepare myself like like Sun Tzu in the in the art of war but if i'm For example, preparing like I had a critical negotiation with my own father, then of course I will not do something like that. I will more focus on what are our core together values, what underneath it all, what does he want? He wants the best for me and this is what I want also. And we always lose that when the negotiation negotiation starts, when the emotions are high, when we go up and down. So how do we deal with that? That is actually the the question and the answer for this. How I divide my workshop is like four main quadrants. The first one is conquer yourself, or let's say manage your physiology and your neurology. Then the other is strategy, which is context dependent. Who is that person? What do they want? What are the the stakes? What are the emotions? What is the surrounding uh, circumstance? And one of the big things regarding this strategy and planning is what I teach people is to forget about the notion that something will be finished in the first conversation and to not be afraid of the no, to not be afraid of the doors being shut, to not be afraid of the emails going silent. Do not be afraid of any of that because there are techniques that you can always bring the conversation back, stimulate the cooperation, stimulate their subconscious to respond. For example, let's, let's give a concrete example. I had uh, just today a call with a really high level um, partner in one bank. Why? It doesn't matter. I have some ideas. I want to talk to him, but I know he doesn't want to talk to me. And I was prepared for that. And I was prepared that my first five messages will maybe go dead silent, or he will just say, like he did. I send this message, he says, Okay, but I asked him a question. So but there are techniques like it's called no-oriented question, where you poke their mind, stimulating stimulating them to answer no, so they will feel comfortable and they will open up some kind of information that you can then grab and apply different techniques like calibrated questions to get them going. And this is what I did. I told him basically, what did I do? You seem uh, like, I seem to bore you. You seem to despise me. You seem to ignore my messages. But I know that he doesn't think that, but I want him to say no, to trigger him, to get him to look at me because you don't know what people are doing. He has his problems. It's Corona. He knows everybody will call him for advice or money or something because he's on that position. But then you have to trigger their subconscious to tell them a different story. And then they will start thinking about and respond to it. And this is how I got his attention. But in any case, first, you prepare through some... Breathing and exercising techniques that we practice on my workshop that will always keep you breathing into your stomach. Keep your apparatus like throat, face, mouth, energy prepared for a critical conversation. That is number one preparation tactic. Number two is looking at the negotiation like a campaign. Maybe you will lose three out of ten conversations or message back and forth. But if you win six or seven, you will win the war overall. And this is how you have to look at it and be creative and be uh, playful in conflict. And the third thing I will not I will stop here with this is (laughs) one of the core techniques that we call tactical empathy. And I think you should do that way before the conversation starts. And that is basically really, really putting yourself in their shoes, even if you despise them. Try really, first you have to be confident and trained to be uh, self-confident, self-sufficient and breathing well. And then from that position, you can think the worst about yourself that they could possibly think and this this will give you a huge edge, a huge preparation edge. Then even if you don't do all the techniques perfectly, you will hit the nerve and they will start to open up and you will lower the tension and stimulate cooperation, whether it's a loved one or an enemy. So, okay, I'll stop there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay, Uh, you you bought me. (laughs) I'm coming to your workshop as soon as possible, okay. Thank you. Uh, that is great. Uh, I think, yeah.
1: yes, go ahead. No, no, I will wait for another question. <laughs> that, that's the problem that's the, the the problem that I have with communication. I really had to train myself in these interactions to not talk, you know, endlessly, to not give seven, um, you know, like you're playing chess. You will never do seven steps in a row. You will do one and wait for a response. And people like me, I tend to talk a lot. I tend to explain a lot and I have to train myself to.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, I have that problem as well. So so that's fine. I totally understand you. And I think, um, I, as I said, I wouldn't interrupt you at all. I would just let you speak. <laughs> but um, OK, let's see um, what I'm really interested in because while well, we are here talking in English, uh, have you ever negotiated in English? Uh, because, of course, uh, like uh, myself, uh, Serbian is your native language. So if you have negotiated in English, uh, how is it different from negotiating in your native language?
1: I'm so glad you asked that question, question actually, because that will, when I opened my mouth, I was about to say something like that. <laughs> and this is what is important. When you talk about these negotiation techniques, we talk about the, Principles of influencing your subconscious, your amygdala, your, as Daniel Kahneman defines it, system one. So, what that means is you will learn, or you have to learn to be an effective negotiator, how to influence Homo sapiens. And it doesn't take, of course, it helps if you're fluent in English, it will help you with creativity. Cre- creative storytelling but creative storytelling will always fall to death ears before you dug deep into their emotion their subconscious and to do that work first you only need few words you only need few questions even when we get to those techniques on the workshop i give you the rules because this is only what has proven to work in the field so for example if we explain the technique called labeling i will tell you that uh, you will never you will at least try to never go outside these three prefixes it seems like it feels like it sounds like so you can say 100 sentences in a row trying to label their situation their emotion their thoughts about you But you will never go beyond it seems like, it sounds like, it feels like. And this is what triggers their subconscious, their amygdala to release the tension. And then you can literally use just a few words if you're not fluent in English in the start of the conversation, in the start of the negotiation, or whenever the emotions are high. For example, you can say, it seems like you're afraid, it seems like... I threaten you it seems like you don't like me it seems like something I said offended you it seems like uh, uh, you have pressure Uh, I'll try to to, like imagine I I don't know English and I say it seems like uh, they pressure you it seems like you know decision without boss you literally can say like that but that label For example, in a negotiation for a salary and you have a young manager that is trying to give you salary as your, for example, junior position. And now you feel like he's not telling you something. You feel like he doesn't really have a decision making power. And you can literally say, it seems like you know decision without boss, (laughs) which is a terrible sentence in English, but it will still trigger his mind and he will either tell you no 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 you're completely wrong if you are wrong and give you another piece of information that you can start negotiating over or you will hit the nerve and he will smile or simply say uh uh, unfortunately that's the case and then you will have to again be certain if that's genuine reaction but if you're not certain then you label again or open or ask a calibrated question or simply mirror but the point is i don't think you need a fl- to be fluent in another language and to answer your first question i was negotiating while i was doing uh, i was working in groomfos it's a complete english speaking environment we were never speaking in serbian basically and also when i was doing consulting work for our company iceberg Salas center we had uh, many uh, outside serbia suppliers and buyers so i was always commu- communicating in english so but the point is why i believe i am effective because i found some core principles that work but there are thousands of superficial methods getting to yes methods and academic knowledge that simply does not work when the emotions hit through the roof and when the stakes are high then the techniques of your own body being comfortable in the conflict managing your thoughts your mind and then speaking simply but very elaborately putting them in a smaller and smaller uh constraints like a funnel yeah exactly because if i if you're telling me something right now like um you uh, there has never been a paycheck uh, that high and i say that high and you say yeah and i say never and you say yeah never we gave such a high salary for this position for this position and then so i'm just doing mirror 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 but then i ask an open questions for example what would it take or even better how can i be more valuable to you i understand that there has never been but how can i make myself more more valuable and then how and what and how and what and mirror and label and then he's struggling. He's developing a story. He's answering your question, but he doesn't realize that he's never deeper and deeper in your funnel. He cannot go outside of it. So yeah, again, I went maybe too deep. But, no, no, no. Uh, I
0: think this is all very useful for all of us here. So <laughs> don't apologize for that. I think it's of
1: course awesome. there are me- when you get. Uh, like in, in in boxing, you have to learn direct crochet uppercut and it works across all fields and all languages. But then as you progress in your communication and negotiation, then there are many subtle nuances where those differences do, you know, create some kind of edge. For example, if you're speaking to Serbians, especially older Serbian men, they are very responsive for... Uh, certain types of jokes, even, you know, like, how do you say in English, simple jokes, like prostat, <laughs> dirty know, like jokes, yes, dirty jokes. yeah. But you would never try to do that with a Danish boss or a Norwegian, you know. But people like to focus on those techniques, on those strategies. But that all falls apart if you don't know this deeper trust based influence on, on people's subconscious. So that, that is why I believe language is secondary nice okay. to have, but not need to have
0: <laughs> that, that is good to know. Um, and uh, as as you said, okay, for some more creative things. But uh, what I started with in the beginning of this, uh, of this webinar was, you don't have to have the perfect English for pretty much anything, unless you want to yeah. be a teacher, even that even you know, sometimes in my class, I have to Google a world a word because I'm not sure how it's spelled or what it means. Because it's normal. You can't know everything in a language. Not even natives know it, let no, alone. Exactly. So, yes, I think that is, uh, that is great to know. Um, okay. Um, how about, you have mentioned several times emotions going high and feelings and so on. So uh, on our side, uh, how do we handle our emotions during stressful situations?
1: Well, again, I can tell you what needs to be done. How is training, training, training? Because practice makes perfect. And But in general, uh, I believe what really helped me a lot, and this is what I didn't see. For example, I, I was talking recently to a guy that does in Serbia what Chris Voss is doing in uh, USA. So there's a guy who was a leading negotiator in our special forces and our MOOP, our police service for over 20 years, he wrote some books. I I know him from some other projects earlier, and I was talking to him and he he showed me his curriculum on how they train negotiators. And they all focus on these techniques, but they don't really focus on this physiology. And I guess my other work that people who know me, they know how long i've been in the area of personal you know fitness nutrition stuff like that so i learned some techniques some breathing techniques some exercise techniques that really uh, dissolve the tension when you step into critical conversations so that is first thing that you have to train the best recommendation i can give you is some kind of practical real martial art like jiu-jitsu like Wrestling like MMA like kickboxing and I know people don't really like to hear that especially women, but you have to understand When the critical conversation starts Especially if it's violent Especially unfortunately in today's world where they teach us that words are violence I don't buy that shit pardon my language for for a second because in the real world that doesn't apply Words are not violence. And if you let your brain d- disarm you to such a degree, to, to give away your power to other people so much that their words and look and voice can hurt you physically, then you will never be able to break through and be efficient, communicator, and negotiator. What happens really is that your physiology reacts as if you are physically attacked, but you are not. And it is really hard to separate that because you do that on subconscious level. So what happens is a critical conversation starts and we literally turn into chimpanzees at a millisecond. All your resources, your amygdala, so you pick up senses from other person, whether it's a mean look or a, a tone of voice or a word. And then in a millisecond, you, your amygdala feels attacked and she tries to protect you because it's a part of the brain that has mechanisms older than, than homo sapiens, hundreds of thousands of years old. And they kept us alive in a very harsh environment, very dynamic problem solving environment, but we do not live in that em- environment anymore. So this system one, is very fast. It happens in a small part of a second. But what the problem is, system one then serves a heuristic, a heuristical, I don't know how to say properly in English, a heuristic exchange, change of question, change of perception to your frontal cortex. And then you formulate a thought that you think is an objective fact like he's attacking me, but it is actually a system two interpretation of a system one reaction. Why is this so hugely important? Because when that happens and you're unaware of that, and it happens in a small part of a second, all your resources, your oxygen, your blood, your neural impulses, they all go to your muscles to either run or fight. And at the moment where you need your frontal cortex the most to creatively negotiate with somebody in a high stressful situation, you are left without any of those tools. You are literally a chimpanzee who can jump higher, run faster or attack stronger, but none of that applies. You just become frozen in place. and overwhelmed by emotion of anger or fear and then typically people start arguing and it just explodes so one of the visualizations i give people uh, i give to people on my workshops is actually this and i do that when i find myself whether with Jovana or a business partner when emotion starts getting high and i start speaking something that i actually should not be speaking i catch myself in the moment (laughs) and I imagine myself as a chimpanzee and in a part of a second I stop and I laugh inside and I start breathing and I come back to my body, I come back to my brain and you have to train that, but there are many exercises. Um, Go to uh, Google and type in Elliot Hulse, two L's, two T's, H U S L E, Elliot Hulse, bioenergetic exercise. We have so small a time window here, so I'm trying to give you something that you can actually start practicing. These exercises will help you prepare your physiology for critical conversations. And then, on top of that, you need to practice these uh, skills like tactical empathy, where you really are able to put yourself in their shoes, even if you, especially if you don't uh, honor, if you don't uh, align with their ideals, if you think they're unfair, whatever, you have to first really like a detective explore and understand their position, and then you have the tools needed to transform their thought, so I don't know if that answers your question, but something like that
0: <laughs> great. I typed the, the what you said we should Google in the chat box so everybody can uh, see it and do their research uh and I'm going to be the first one to do that for sure. Um, okay, uh, we had a question that was related to that, but okay, we, we are going to go back to that later. Um, my next question is, and somebody actually asked uh, this as well, um, what are the three most important things to consider or pay attention to or steps uh, when it comes to negotiations?
1: Hmm. Three. <laughs> I can it can be more but <laughs> um, well, I guess if I would have to choose only three, it would go like this first of all, this uh, concept managing your thoughts, so let's try to to explain it really simply what happens. There is a fact, and then you formulate a thought upon that fact. So people like to say he offended me with something he said, but actually, and this you will find in any Zen practice or any high level personal development practice, nobody has such kind of power to just say the words and offend you and change your whole perception and physiology. So you do that to yourself. So first step is managing your own brain, your own thoughts, because what happens if you see the fact he offended me, then your first thought formulated based on that is he attacked me. Therefore, I have to defend myself or I have to attack back. Then the emotion is built upon that thought. Emotion is not built upon the fact. It is built upon the thought. And then the emotion might be i am really frustrated and then your, your heart starts pumping your adrenaline and then happens what i just explained you lose the creativity processing tools of the frontal cortex that you need for effective negotiation and then upon that emotion you act and <laughs> i bet you that the action upon such an emotion is not calculated elaborate negotiation and is definitely not understanding the other people's perception, but is some kind of either attack back or shutting down. And then what is the result of that algorithm? The result upon that action is deepening the miscommunication, deepening the hatred, deepening the, how do you say, Oops. deepening anxiety and so on. Yeah. And now let's see the other example. If you've trained the techniques I'm telling you and then somebody says, you're a fucking piece of shit, you know, sure. Boris, for this action. And then you don't think he offended me, but you see affect differently. Affect is now he said some words. Then my thought will not be he attacked me, my thought might be, which is much more, much better, what drives him to say such words? Then, my emotion might be curiosity, which is perfect for effective negotiation, or my emotion might be pity. What kind of pain can he be in to say such words? And then what what my action will be upon that emotion the correct technique open-ended question and label my action in that case will not be attack or defend and breakdown of crucial conversation but my action will be either it seems like i really pissed you off and then following with what makes you say such things about me and then i could add how is this progressing our negotiation. How is this solving our situation? And be sure that result of that kind of algorithm will be totally different. There is not a person in this world, and I've experienced that, no matter how mad he is at that point, that he will respond to such a question, such energy with further attacks. It is simply impossible physically because you've triggered there algorithm their subconscious to settle down to see security and to stimulate cooperation so that's first managing your mind through different physiological physical techniques and mental techniques we uh, train some of that on the workshop we do some exercises on the workshop but i give you much much more follow-up materials where you can learn this where you can train and so on the second when you when you really started practicing this, then the second is bringing up the negatives. Especially during this corona situation, nothing is more important than this. And this is counterintuitive to people who are not trained in in negotiation talks, in suicide line talks and stuff like that. But actually only when you stimulate people to totally express and bring out the negative Even if it's in a form of yelling and explosion, only then you will be able to dug deep and find out what's the underlying cause of these emotions and what is that that they crave that you can provide. And it doesn't have to be the thing on which you are negotiating. Very often, a certain number, if we're negotiating salary or whatever it might be, is just a signal that the person across you wants to be respected or wants to be heard or wants to be feared or wants to be loved. And this is how expert FBI negotiators are able to take a terrorist who is asking for one million dollars or he will kill another hostage to give up everything and hostage and the money but feels satisfied because he feels like his message has been sent. I know it's hard to believe, but you will see also examples in Chris Voss's book and you will see when you start practicing that yourself. Because if we go back to the my negotiation on uh, breaking apart my company. So in the end they gave me the money that I wanted. They they gave me everything that they didn't want to give me in the beginning, but they were satisfied, they felt like they Made, they, they make, made that decision. And when I managed to influence them through these techniques to come up with that solution themselves, then they negotiated with other people that I don't know, and they actually sold beforehand another piece of the company to a guy that brought in the money that they will give to me. So suddenly, the solution appears where they honestly believed that it is objectively impossible because there is no money. But every boundary that someone gives to you is impossible only until you stimulate their mind in such a way that they see your point as a better solution. They start fighting for that. Can you do it every time? Of course not. Can you win every fight? Can you win every fight if you're the best boxer in the world? Mike Tyson, no, you will still lose sometimes. And of course, if you're on my level, like you're not a world class, the best in the world negotiator, I lose always, many times. But will you up your chances for success in life? 100 times, absolutely yes. And more importantly, will you create a much less stressful life and business environment Absolutely yes. So maybe those things are enough as. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Yes. Uh, that is. That is really, really. Uh, it got me thinking about many things. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of um, overwhelmed <laughs> by everything that you said, so I don't comment much. I just keep asking because I want to get the most out of it because it's so useful. Everything that you're saying is so useful to me. So. It thank you. Is,
1: it is so sad how we never learned this and they never taught us this in elementary school in kindergarten our parents in high school in in faculty nowhere did we learn principles of success principles of uh, effective co- communication and negotiation where effective negotiation is not just getting what you want but trust-based influence, improving the relationship and getting the result. And if people knew that that is real negotiation, they will be much more willing to do it. We don't do it because we feel like we will lose something, like we will stimulate conflict, further conflict instead of further cooperation. And this is how we see negotiation. Or we simply see it like not effective. But you've you've seen now just a a small piece of of a huge uh, concept. And I think you can already see that there is much more opportunity to be effective in this than people think.
0: Yes, Um, okay, Uh, thank you. Um, Now uh, we had a question and I want to actually lean on that question. The question was, what do we do if the other side also knows these techniques? And what I want to know in addition to that is, how do we tell if they are bluffing I, I guess there are some techniques we also can learn about bluffing and cheating other people's minds, so to say so how do we um assess if someone is deceiving us what their true interest, interests are and uh can we can we do that
1: um can you know of course not imagine knowing everything that will happen beforehand What a life would that be Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) going into a fight, into a boxing fight that you've been training for 12 weeks and knowing exactly what your opponent will do and knowing you will win, man, that would be such a thrill. Unfortunately, that does not exist. And I like these questions. And at the same time, they're a little bit funny because these are the type of questions that you have, that we all have before we actually experience. The, the real experience of negotiating, and then you see, ah, I get it. But I will tell you. So first, um, what happens when you meet another experienced negotiator? Well, what happens when you are an experienced fighter and you meet another experienced fighter? It's what harder. happens when a good <laughs> basketball player meets a better basketball player? You will lose and you will learn and you will do better next time. And this is, for example, interesting on my workshops. Sometimes uh, we do uh, exercise and I tell them uh, we go progressively deeper and deeper. And for example, we do just one technique, a mirror, which is you repeat uh, last word or last three words or uh, any word from any part of conversation when you really experienced and then people, when they start learning that, they do one mirror and if it doesn't work they think it doesn't work they kind of freeze and i had an example uh, let's say you tell me uh put that cup over there and i say and for some reason that doesn't make sense and i say over there and you say yes and then amateurs when you're not experienced you tend to freeze there and you think uh what now but I would say there and you say yes I say there yes what is wrong with you I said put the cup there put the cup this cup put it there and this is exactly like when you're experienced fighter and you have a jab and that there is a less experienced fighter you can use only that single jab but your footwork is better Your sense is better, your distance is better, but then when a better man comes, then you have to learn both direct and crochet and uppercut and so on and so on. So long story short, it's just a matter of practice.
0: Wow. Okay, that's
1: very interesting. The other question was uh, like, how do you know when somebody blabs? To further a bit more there, imagine like you have ten guys. This is common in Serbia. You have ten teenagers and nobody trains mma and then one of those has a rough childhood and fought on the street and immediately he's dominant above everybody else but only if one guy went to a boxing club and learned some basic techniques he's already better than 99% of people who don't train but as he progresses then he will get his ass beat by another boxers and you go it's just levels it's just learning it's just practice and it's a great thing when you start uh, negotiating with more experienced people because that means you're leveling up. And the other part of the question, how do you know it's a bluff? Well, you don't know. Uh, I love poker. I was playing poker and uh, I was quite deep in learning poker and it's very similar to negotiation. So do you know how in poker you know if somebody bluffs?
0: No. No. <laughs> I never played poker.
1: <laughs> okay, so people have this romantic idea that both in negotiation or in poker, you will read his eyes, his veins, and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe sometimes, but still, you don't know. The answer is you don't know. But there are techniques. How do you find out? You guess and then put them to the test. In poker, there is a you deal the cards, and there is one round of betting. Then the flop comes out, then another round of betting. Then the turn, then the river, and each time there is a round of betting. And this is how you tell experienced poker player sees the mathematics, sees my emotion, sees how I react. And then he doesn't know if I'm bluffing, but he guesses. And then with experience and with technique, he bets a certain amount in a certain way, That will put me to the test and based on my reaction he will then be more certain that i'm either bluffing or not bluffing and this is exactly the same in negotiation let's say i believe you're bluffing i believe what you're saying is not a real boundary and then i will try to make sure by using labels it seems like blah 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 it feels like it feels like you're telling me that is the final deadline, but it feels like it really isn't. It feels like you're just saying what your boss told me. It seems like you're saying something that you're obligated to say. It seems like you're under a lot of pressure and I believe you, but it feels like there is just something missing. There is just something I don't know. What is it that it uh, talked and so on. And so, so, <laughs> so basically you don't know, you never know, you can never know, but there are techniques that you can learn how to guess and put people on their cards, but not by stimulating conflict, but through detective work, through questioning, through calibrated questions, to blah, 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 blah.
0: OK, so educated guess basically is what we need to, to, to make.
1: Educated guess along with arsenal of tools, how to test. And based on their reactions, make sure if they're bluffing or not.
0: Mm-hmm. OK, OK. Sounds because you can guess. Reasonable
1: but you can guess but you can then say something based on that guess that will blow up in your face if you're not using then some of the techniques correctly so that's that's the, the way you do it
0: okay Very good. Um, So for you, you have a lot of experience obviously with negotiations. Although uh, I'm sure I think one of my favorite things that Jovana ever said was, I was failing my way into success. And I think that is really great because we all learn like that. I did. I'm sure you did as well. Um, So but a lot of experience that you have. um, What is your biggest challenge right now that you have this experience when it comes to negotiation?
1: um my right now personally my biggest challenge is uh, sometimes being lazy when i when i see this is a crucial conversation in the making just being lazy to start negotiating to go into negotiation especially the more and, and more i do it so in the beginning of course the biggest challenge is you're terrified of conflict. And even if you are uh, some tough badass, you will still be in a position to negotiate with your boss or somebody who is in a position of power, or your dad, or your loved wife, or somebody who you, on some level, are afraid of confronting in that position. So in the beginning, that is the biggest challenge. But right now, I really, after years of doing this, train myself to, to see that as a play. And I really approach it that way. And I'm quite comfortable and I even often seek, you know, conflicts because when you are the person who will be able to dissolve the tensions, solve problems in a critical conflicting situation with high emotions, then people will give you their their time, their money, their services, their trust, and so on. But when you're much more experienced, when you're, experienced uh, at this moment, I find myself sometimes lazy going into negotiations. If there is something small thing like a bartender in my favorite coffee shop. But then if I don't do it, it always slaps me in the face because there are micro wrong communications or non-communications that just snowball. And after one month, I say to myself, why the hell did I didn't I negotiate when it was the time to do so? It was easier.
0: <laughs> And this is where our talk had to end suddenly. But don't worry, we continued it in the next podcast. You will be able to hear more of Boris's advice, tips, and some very interesting stories. So, see you in the next podcast.